and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks and welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show in the Sales Chat Show virtual studio today. I have, as always, the esteemed gathering of the Sales Chat Show members, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And just to remind you folks, there are 200 plus episodes in the Sales Chat Show back catalog. Catalog. Uh, you'll find that all of them at our website, saleschatshow.com, or indeed from anywhere and everywhere you prefer to get yours, your podcasts, you'll find the Sales Chat Show. Please remember to subscribe and you'll get notified when new recordings such as this one become available for your listening pleasure. Uh, this episode is entitled How These Two Powerful Psychological Forces manipulate people into panic buying. Now, many of us, I'm sure, will have, if we've not seen it in person or experienced it in person, we will have seen newspaper or media or television reports of people going crazy on Black Friday, of, you know, people almost being trampled underfoot as people rushed like a mob towards buying the cheap products on Black Friday. And some, I think there have been cases of people actually being injured and possibly even losing their lives. That's very, very sadly and tragically. And here in the UK, where we, we come from, the sales chat show posse, we've recently had, well, it's difficult to know whether it was a shortage or not, but there was a, there was a supposed shortage of fuel in our gas stations for our American readers or petrol stations for our folks closer to home, which resulted in huge queues of cars, um, people fighting occasionally to get diesel and petrol for their vehicles. And then what we got was because it was perceived to be in short supply, people would then everybody filled their gas tanks up to the top, which they don't do normally and filling up plastic cans of fuel, which caused chaos and panic and so on and so forth. And as, as we are sort of uh, specialists in the worlds of sales and persuasion, we're always really interested to observe human behavior and i'm i'm going to take the lead on this one because i think that good old professor robert cialdini the author, author of the most excellent book influence hello professor cialdini if you're listening into the sales chat show or oh, i hope he is um a big hero of mine certainly in his book which is on one of my top 10 recommended reading list for sales books of all time he talks about the six principles that exert a strong influence almost an unconscious influence over human behavior and the two that i think are triggering this panic buying is scarcity the more scarce something is the more we want it the more likely we are to buy it and seize it or or feel nervous about its lack and social proof if we see other people doing it 
we're more likely to do the same thing. So put those two together. Oh, my goodness, Black Friday. There's only five televisions available for a amazing cut price and everybody's running towards them. I must run towards them as well. Oh, my goodness, there's a shortage of fuel. I must go and get some. It's the end of civilization. It's like an episode of The Walking Dead. And everyone else is queuing up, which just means I must queue up as well. And that's that's my hunch. That's Gentlemen, that is my hypothesis for Mr. Jones, I'm sure, to pull to pieces with some of his pesky psychological data. That's my thinking, guys. And also... Hey, we can use these not to trigger a panic buying frenzy, but firstly, show our customers what other customers are doing. And maybe if we do genuinely have a shortage or a scarcity and genuine, I think, is the important thing. It is it is possible to, to make use of that as part of a sales process if it's genuine, if it's ethical. Mr. Jones, Mr. Jesson, your your thoughts. In fact, Phil, I know you hoarded toilet rolls during the COVID pandemic because we used to see 700 of them behind you in your office at home, didn't you? We we know you did. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, folks. Give us your thoughts, folks. You going first, Graham? Well, I, th- I think all the people who... Um, were filling up their car with petrol, uh, were unable to get their car in the garage because the garage was full of toilet rolls. Um, (laughs) But um, in fact, one of my neighbours who works in the motor industry said to me, there is no shortage of fuel. And I said, there is a shortage of fuel. And he said, no, the country has got plenty of fuel. I said, there is a shortage of fuel. And we went backwards and forwards like that until I pointed out that the shortage of fuel is simply because it relates to that psychological need that Professor Cialdini's work is alluding to, a psychological need of having that supply of whatever we need in plentiful supply where we are. So it's based on um, a, a survival instinct, so that if food is going to be in short supply, we will hoard it. Uh, because if food runs out in the future, then we're going to starve. And so there's a psychological um, drive for survival to if things are getting scarce, we want them because there's a danger that it will affect our survival. And so there may be plenty of food available if, you know, if you think about, you know, go back into our evolution of, you know, a half a million years ago, or whatever, they may well have been plenty of food 500 miles away, but we weren't 500 miles away. We were here in our little corner of the world and our world only existed for, you know, three, four, five miles. And so if there was a shortage of food in that area, even if there was plenty of food elsewhere, we were going to be short of food and we would panic and go and collect everything and store it so that it didn't run out. So it's the same with petrol. Even though there was plenty of petrol in the country, it was in the storage tanks, in the refineries and elsewhere. It wasn't where we wanted it, which was in the local petrol station. And so that triggered the panic because people thought they were going to run out. And if they're going to run out, their their survival instinct kicks in. It's such a basic part of your brain that you can't control it. There's no control over it. It is in the very, very... Because it's... yeah. A snail has the same instinct. 
Yeah, it's it's a basic biological instinct to hoard food. I see it with we have a little squirrel who lives in a tree just outside my office here, and I see it when um, we've got food on the bird table. He's not interested in the bird table when it's full of food. But as soon as that bird table starts to get a lower amount of food on it, he's down the tree like a shot along the garden fence, picks up as much food as he can to take back to his little home in the tree. And he'll do that three or four times until he's got more food than he can possibly eat. But what he can see from his little nest is the food is running out. And so his tiny little brain says to him, go and get it. So he does. So with the um, with the genuine challenges that have been with, as far as I'm able to tell from media reports and the supply chain shortages, from your psychological point of view, customers hearing about, you know, and we've had the ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal, which did, probably didn't help things. There have been genuine challenges in the global supply chain. Would that is that? Do you think that's affecting lots of customers in lots of industries? And is it kind of maybe triggering a kind of a a scarcity feeling in otherwise? You know, we're all very rational. We'd like to think human beings, but might be having that effect. It will be having that effect. I I saw somebody post on Facebook the other day. Uh, It may have been you actually, (laughs) but I saw somebody post on Facebook. Um, that they were going to be, you know, supply chain issues affecting Christmas. So all men are going to start shopping on the 23rd of December instead of the 24th <laughs> to get their shopping done early. The classic um, joke, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's not true. Many men have already done their Christmas shopping and started their Christmas shopping because even though they won't admit it, they've gone into shops, they've gone, oh, I better get it now just in case I can't get that in the future. So it's the scarcity principle making them want to to get it, just like they're doing exactly the same as the squirrel up the tree, seeing things running out. So your brain, well, the the bit in your brain that determines whether or not you're going to behave like this way is such a tiny little fragment of your brain. You're not even aware that it's going on. It's a really basic biological instinct, you know, that, tiniest little animals have the same bit of biology that that we have so it's about protecting the species so we can't really control it which is why you end up with lots of queues and all the people in the queue listening to the radio um, and phoning into the radio saying i'm in a queue isn't it ridiculous all these people in the queue well the you're one of the people who are supposedly being ridiculous yeah so it's everybody else who's behaving badly not me is well, I've, you know, I've certainly had the conversations with my, uh, my, uh, my partner, you know, we've, we've had conversations about, well, ought we to go and get some, ought we to go and get some fuel? Aren't we just going to make it worse? And then you almost have this argument with yourself and go, yeah, but you know, and there's a very powerful part of the brain. So, I mean, I think if, if nothing else, folks, the thing to take away is that emotional instinctive part of the brain, very powerful, something salespeople always got to bear in mind. That's, that's running in the background, you know, below the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. That's really influencing, really influencing the buying, the buying behavior. I'm just fascinated by Graham's analogy of snails, 
rushing to buy something great all at about one one kilometer a year <laughs> rushing yeah. over there's a whatever the whatever the snail equivalent of a buying frenzy you've just put that in my brain there so uh, i i have an interesting question for you chaps if i may um one of the definitions of selling we've used before is influencing with integrity yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm just a little bit curious on this issue for companies. Uh, well, let, let's take us. Let, let, let me personalize it. If the three of us were to initiate a bit of panic buying in order to increase sales uh, of our products and services, is that influencing with integrity uh, or not? Well, I, my, my comment was was the one i made at the start is if you do have and i have a lot of clients in certain industries that do have supply chain challenges such as clients in the it industry there i think not only is it ethical but i think i think you must tell your customers the truth and tell them the reality and if there is going to be a potential shortage and it's genuine then i think that's part of your relationship with that customer now that if that that inadvertently triggers the customer to 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 make a buying decision well maybe that's in the customer's interest if there's going to be a genuine i'm i'm just very what, very bored what about the, what about of, those organizations and you see it a lot on hotel booking sites yeah where there is no shortage of rooms but they say there is well yeah, a that, that's illegal if they do yeah. that yeah so they they're there has to be if they're if they're saying you know only five rooms left at this price, yeah, that has to be the truth because otherwise um, they can be sued under various um, you know trades descriptions and all of that yeah. kind of thing. So they have to um, legally say that. But the you can get around that, you see. So for example, you can offload some of your rooms to an online booking agency. So you go to one of the popular hotel uh, websites and you allocate them 20 rooms and you've only got five rooms in your hotel, uh, five rooms left in your 25-room hotel. So you can now say only five rooms left. Actually, the website has not sold any of those 20 rooms. So there are, in fact, 25 rooms left because your hotel is empty. But by saying there's only five rooms left, you're making it more likely that people will book because of that scarcity. But it's not scarce. Yeah, but it is because technically you have kept within the law because you only have five rooms left because you've allocated them to somebody else. So you see this with um, online shops, for example, it will say only three left in stock and they have to by law only have three left in stock. But you find me, you know, some of the world's biggest online stores that can't get more stuff back in stock today. You know, they tell me that they can't contact their suppliers um, and push their suppliers to put stuff back in stock today um, so or tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, they only have three left in stock that they can distribute today. But if you wait, they can do one tomorrow. Or it may only be three left in stock at this hour. Yeah, you'll see, the, you'll see probably what could be a technically accurate yeah. only two left in stock. Yeah. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be more available tomorrow. Yeah. So, I mean, but for me, I get very... I'm bored now and it's, it's such a 
pathetic tactic. I get quite enraged if it's done to me, if somebody tries to close me on a scarcity close, right? You know, the price is only available for today and all this stuff. That's very, very old school. I think it lacks integrity and it shows that all you're trying to do is hustle the customer to, to place it. So I would personally, I would draw a very, very clear distinction between telling your customer an accurate stock or supply chain issue and the, it's a very busy time. I used to sell in an industry that was hugely busy at Christmas. And we used to genuinely have to say to customers, we are going to need a forecast because we're going to be at maximum production capacity and we're going to need to know what you're going to need to buy. And it was a it was genuine if we, because if we don't, if we don't know, we can't make it for you. We are going to be running at full capacity, full production or, or, we have supply chain shortages. The supply chain is depleted. And, you know, the sooner you get your order placed, the sooner we can get it in. The, those who think are genuine, they'll still have the same scarcity effect potentially, but they're based in reality and truth and integrity, not in marketing flim flam or sales manipulation. So that, that for me, I think is, but very powerful forces as a social proof, you know, showing other people. I think one of the, it might be, um, I won't mention the name in case I'm not in case I'm not correct, but I was on a, an online, uh, one of the online sites and it said 17 people are looking at this now. It was one of those ones selling more bespoke, small, smaller items, probably get my drift. I don't want to mention them by name in case I'm not being hundred percent accurate and fair to them, but it was talking about the number of people who were looking at it, which is what Amazon also do. 87% of people who looked at this, bought this, those statistics that they, that they show you. So, you know, they use that as well. Is that, is that done to get a sale? Yes. Is it accurate? Yeah, I hope it is. It's still showing. It's still showing what's the most popular items because some people are swayed by, swayed by popularity. Yeah, the the software that that kind of thing uses is pretty standard software. It's just measuring how many people have actually opened that website at that moment and who still yeah. have the website open. So it may well be that seventeen people have a tab in their browser opened, but yeah. they may not actually be at the site. But technically, there are seventeen people with that website visible somewhere on their computer. Yeah. Um, and as soon as they close the tab, that number will change. Yeah. So that's, it's fairly automatic in terms of uh, what they're measuring, um, but it's not actually an accurate reflection. So you could do the same. If you go into a uh, shop, a high street shop, you can look around and count the number of people in the shop and you can go, there are 24 other people in this shop, Yeah, but only three of them are shoppers because the other 21 are family members of the person doing the shopping. So you, it looks like the shop is really busy. And so you are then via social proof influenced to carry on being yeah. in the shop. But actually that social proof is not a true reflection of the amount of shopping that's going on. And let me, let me just flip it on its head for a moment, chaps, because customers potential customers also do it to salespeople. So if you look at the almost the entire procurement process of let's get six offers and whittle it down to three, and then let's have three come in to talk to us and we'll make sure everybody knows we're talking to two other people. So the customer is making themselves and their revenue scarce yep. from you as well. And then the classic thing is to play one supplier off against the other as, as and the customer is making themselves scarce. And we've just got to remember whether you're selling or buying, 
remember this is a very very powerful part of the brain that's exerting an incredibly strong influence and it potentially has the capacity to override some of the rational processing and you end up signing up business at an incredibly low figure and that actually is probably not going to be good news for your for your business so do yourself a favor have a fairly healthy or have a very healthy pipeline of opportunities and i know that if i get put under a real price pressure on opportunity a and i you know do you know what at the price they're asking it's just not worth our business going ahead you know maybe they're just maybe we haven't done a good enough job of convincing them of value but anyway they or their price perception is below what we're prepared to go just replace it with opportunity b in the pipeline and take the scarcity pressure off your shoulders so it, it works both ways i think yeah absolutely that uh, customers will be making their their resource of their time for when you want to see them so you know you want to book a time and they go no you can only see me on a wednesday morning i have no other time available in my diary yeah they're making their time resource limited and therefore you will do everything to go and see them on that wednesday morning whereas in fact they could see you anytime in fact i we all know uh, a friend of ours in the speaking world who if anybody rings him he says i'm sorry <laughs> i can't meet you then uh, because i've got an appointment then and he always has an appointment when anybody calls him. Um, and I said to him, but how can you have so many appointments? He says, I've always, I've always got an appointment for coffee with my wife in my diary. Yeah. <laughs> the fact is I can move those appointments, but he has an appointment you know, so that people think his time is scarce and therefore they will do everything to meet on his terms. So your uh, customers will be doing that to you. Um, yeah. So you have to step back and think are they really that scarce in time or is it possible uh, that they can see me at another time yeah it's a very powerful very powerful thing to you phil you were the one who posed the question on integrity your your comments on that uh, it's, no, I, it's I, a very I, important issue i i think for me personally i i'm i'm, I'm with you guys on this i think um, in our profession integrity is uh, a very, very important thing. And when people cross that line and start to lie on one occasion, and of course it will go like a pack of dominoes. They are, yeah. they are then, <clears throat> having committed the first crime, um, they will probably then carry on with more outrageous claims in, yeah. in months to come. So I think from a personal point of view and, and that of the sales chat show, I think we're absolutely right to promote <laughs> Um, influencing with integrity as opposed to some smart-ass bag of tricks that manipulate yeah. people yeah. Uh, based upon untruths. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, your comment about it, it expands as well, because I think it is, it can be a little bit of a, a little bit of a slippery slope because I had a, when I was at university, I had a job at one stage, you know, one of those sort of student summer jobs working for a guy who owned kind of amusement arcade, you know, with fruit machines, gambling machines. So an all, a lot of very, very cash heavy business. And his his focus on security on the staff, as in making sure nobody stole anything, was incredible. And I remember him telling me one time, uh, like in a side conversation, he said, I make sure nobody steals 10 pence or 10 cents for people outside the UK. He said, because if they get away with 10, 
cents, 10 pence. They steal 20 and then they get away with 20. And he said it snowballs. He said, so I, I stopped them. I stopped them at point at point one. So the habit, yeah, that was his view. Nobody becomes a big thief over time. They become a thief gradually. And I think, you know, unless you are, a, a you know, an out and out dishonest person, it starts to expand. And I think sales managers and sales leaders have an important role to play in what's acceptable and what's not acceptable inside your organization about what you do and don't tell customers and, you know, what you, what you say to customers as well, because, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that's a, that's a, that's a culture that's going to give you a, you know, good trusting medium to long-term relationships might work for the quarter or the year, but beyond that, you, you, I think it'll find you out. So, yeah, and uh, guys, any other any other closing thoughts on this one? I would Not just think, from the principle of uh, scarcity, um, just because Simon worked in amusement arcades with those, um, <laughs> you know, two p gambling machines, uh, it's always worthwhile remembering that you have never met, other than one very famous person who was unable to make money out of um, casinos and had to become a president. But other than that person, um, you, you won't find many poor um, casino owners and people who own those kind of businesses. And that's because we want to play those games because the prizes are scarce. And yeah. so it encourages us to keep playing because of the scarcity of the prize. So people keep buying lottery tickets even though there's a one in four in the UK lottery, there's a one in 14 million chance of you winning anything. Um, so you got, but people keep buying the ticket because that price is so scarce. If there was only one in a thousand chance, people wouldn't buy the tickets. It didn't escape my attention at a very early age of my working career, as in part-time jobs that the owner of said amusement arcades and indeed a couple of casinos used to turn up in his Bentley yeah. and his customers often came on the bus. Yeah. So it was a, an early, early lesson in early lesson in business. Uh, so I, for me personally, I like to think I'm a contrarian. I, you know, when people go in one direction, I like to go in the other. So I don't get caught up in all of this petrol shortage, social proof. While you two were queuing up for fuel, I was buying all the toilet rolls. <laughs> I was I was one ahead of you. <laughs> Getting ahead of the shortage. Okay, folks. So thank you very much for listening into this episode. Hope that has given you some food for thought and uh, definitely might find you just restraining yourself ever so slightly the next time you see a big queue of people so worth worth always trying to get the old rational brain engaged as best we can to control those emotional impulses when we're negotiating and definitely when we're selling so please head along to saleschatshow.com to find all the latest episodes please remember to subscribe uh wherever you choose to get your podcast so you get all the latest episodes notified to you automatically and we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling folks and i've just realized there's oh. one thing that we should have done at the beginning made that we didn't do made it that scary. we should have said this episode is only going to be available for seven days um so you'd better listen to it right now yeah because then it's going to self-destruct isn't yep. it like on old-fashioned mission impossible program this podcast episode will self-destruct in seven days so buy now. In fact, buy now. We've got to buy one episode, get one episode free. When it's gone, it's gone, folks. So 
book early, sale must end Friday. <laughs> I think we'll finish now. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 